What up, Whisper Nation? And welcome into part one of the week 13 matchup show where we are diving into every fantasy relevant player in the first half of the NFL games this weekend. But first, before we get into all of that, I got to let you know, Whisper Nation, we've got a big announcement that for the first time this season, we were now going live on both Monday nights and Thursday nights for the games. We got that thirst so much. We were like, hey, let's throw Whisper Nation another watch party, another one. So that's what we're doing. Make sure you are subscribed and you hit that bell notification so you can join us on Monday nights and Thursday nights for the game. But that's not it. Whisper Nation, not only are we watching the game, hanging out with you guys, you can come join us and react with us to every play that is happening and starting this week. You can join us and our sponsors for a unique in-game betting opportunity to win some serious cash. That's right. Win some serious cash. Make sure you are subscribed over on the YouTube page and you follow us on social media so you get notified when we go live with that show. All right, boys. Whisper Nation, let's get into it. Right here. That's right, Whisper Nation. Like Johnny said, we're going to be talking the first half of the NFL slate of matchups and all the fantasy football implications. But if you want fresh fantasy football content, subscribe to that YouTube channel channel, and give the videos a like on your way in. And now I welcome the guests, or I'm sorry, the hosts all the way in and uh, greet you guys warmly here this holiday season. My name is Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I'm joined by Big uh, by Johnny Game Time Hicks, who you heard at the front of the show there. You can find him on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. And my man in the beanie right now, chilling over in uh, Arizona, is Austin Sear, who you can find on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Boys, normally we start the show off with a question. Usually it's fantasy football related, but this time... You know, I don't want to cause any PTSD, but with Christmas around the corner, I wanted to talk about, you know, and not and don't really want to put the relatives on blast here, although that might just be possible here. What's the worst Christmas gift we've received here? So, Austin, I'll start with you, man. What's the worst all-time Christmas gift you've you've got? Dude, are you, I didn't know this question was coming our way, man. This is like a deeply <laughs> disturbing question for me, man. I know. Like cuz I'm such a gift giver, it's one of my love languages, but I don't I'm like now, not to not to pat myself on the back, but like you know, you ever watch Parks and Re- or uh, Thirty Rock with Alec Baldwin, who's like the insane gift giver, and they're just like, "Yo, if you're gonna like exchange gifts, like just be careful." It's like, "Oh, I think I'm gonna get him a tie." It's like, "Really? Well, uh, last year he got my brother out of a Somalian prison, so step <laughs> it up." You know, I'm out here right now with my dad to surprise him on his 70th birthday. We're gonna go do an interview with him, got an Airbnb, like we're blowing this one out. So that's how I like to do it. Uh, you asked me though, what's the worst gift? I've ever gotten first off there is no bad gifts love anybody thinking of me love anybody having a reflection love anybody taking time money out of their wallet whatever it might be just to to, to say even just i'm thinking about you even if it didn't respond with you know i'm not thinking about you in any kind of good way but hey here <laughs> yeah. i'm thinking about you anyway yeah. um my aunt one time got me a hundred dollar gift card to arby's which was kind of funny um but i did like it and everybody in all the homies got arby's for a really long time yeah. um I got a I got like a rhinestone belt one time. It was Ooh, like and it was kind fancy. of recent. Oh. And like I, I like some flashy things, but like a rhinestone cowboy belt ain't it. That wasn't doing it for you. Yeah, yeah. That one wasn't it there. Um yeah. And then uh, the, the NSYNC self-titled album was the first with gift I ever got. And I didn't like it at the time. 
uh, but it ended now up becoming one of back, the best. Yes. Yeah. Guess, now you're so. looking. Back. I like that. I like to tie it in with some positivity there. Johnny, what about you, man? Uh, worst gift of all time that you've received Christmas time here. So I, it's a little bit. I got you know, like Austin. So there's like a little bit of a a a little bit of a, a turnaround here. All right. When I immediately got this gift, I thought, "Hey, this is the worst gift I've ever received." <laughs> but little did I know that 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 gift that I thought was the worst gift end up being one that I use almost daily, boys. And that and it's on my desk right here. I'm just, if you're watching along, this is a perk of of joining the patreon you get to see our beautiful faces and you get to see this this is a gerber so it's a gerber uh like tool like uh so it's like, like pliers food place no, no 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 so this thing is like uh it's got like pliers on it's yeah, like yeah. one of those multi-tools okay. right yeah. and so when i got it i was just like oh it was a white elephant gift thing and i was just like man i i like what i got or brought to the white elephant over this thing and little uh, you know Biggest things come in small packages, as my mom liked to say. And boy, is this Gerber tool one of those uh, because I use it daily. But yeah, so that would probably be, you know, initially worst gift, I would say. But then it turned out, you know, you never know, dude. Well, maybe Whisper Nation, you are kind of like Austin and Johnny's relatives here uh, who have given them maybe some just, you know, questionable gifts. And maybe you're still having trouble figuring out what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer this year. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. And if my math's correct, that's worldwide. about 8 million balls. So get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com with the code TFWMAN. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN. Well, with that, uh, we'll get into the show, gentlemen. But I do want to just have a caveat here for Whisper Nation. Look, we're in that playoff grind now, okay? We've got this last final week for some of you, and then maybe two, maybe one more week after, or your playoffs start next week. Either way, the goal of this show is to give you a start-sit lens to look at each matchup. That means we might just say, hey, you start these guys, not give a lot of context, because guess what? We've had enough data over the season to kind of justify starting our studs in that situation. So without further ado, we'll get into it. But I just wanted to let you know, we're not looking for a bunch of stashes right now. We're trying to project a bunch of third string guys. We're starting our studs and we're talking about volume based on these particular matchups. So that's the lens at which we're going through that. The first game on our slate, boys, is the Miami Dolphins hosting the New York football Giants. It's a 41 and a half point over under. We've got Miami favored by two and a half. I imagine this line will change because we have news now that Mike Lennon will be starting over Daniel Jones after the next strain. Um, and based on that new play calling, we were asking if that, you know, would affect Saquon and then obviously this new running back. So I'll just I'll break down what we're looking at as inspiring any kind of confidence in Saquon Barkley here. 17 touches as opposed to 12 touches the week he came back from injury last week. So he increased it a little bit. He is at... His um, just under 14 touch per games, uh, that's the, you know, that's a pretty reliable uh, use for an RB2, but that's where he's kind of at. He's going to be within the top 20 as a back and touches right now. He's firmly on the RB2 radar. We've got to get our priors out of the way from drafting him in the first round and understand what he is. If we remember to start the year, Miami was one of those defenses we like to target our running backs against. Over the last month, though, they've tightened up, giving up the fewest points per game with 11, nearly four points fewer than any other team over the last month. Um, don't get lofty expectations again, but I think with this matchup, the volume and based on what he's going to have to be for this offense with Mike Lennon coming in, he's, you know, our sole start worthy guy here. 
Is there any other weapon that we can have confidence with, Johnny, in this matchup? Unfortunately, not now with Mike Glennon under center. I wouldn't recommend uh, having any other these any of these other giants in your lineup. But I do think that Galladay is still a guy that I wouldn't mind throwing on my bench and holding out hope, just because what he saw in his first game with uh, with the new offensive coordinator there. He's got Kitchens, you know, calling the plays. He saw twenty four percent target share in that first game. He was heavily targeted. So I do think that. Better days could be ahead because of the new coaching system, but I'm not looking to start any of them this week. So the awesome. Yeah, no, I said a really quick question there on Saquon because I'm just genuinely curious on this one. If this production and efficiency from Saquon continues, if the offense of the Giants keeps going in the direction that it is, kind of lost, where does Saquon go in redraft leagues next year? I think he'd have to fall down in some of that third, fourth round territory just because, you know, question marks of durability, offense, obviously. They might be changing coaching staffs. We have no idea what uh, uh, what goes on in the offseason for them, you know. And looking at Saquon, like, do you re-sign him at this point? Like, I know he's under contract, but, like, if you're looking and he came free, like, that's kind of the situation we're looking at. So there's a lot of stuff going on swirling around Saquon and these Giants. We'll see how they finish out the year. On the Dolphins' side of the football um, Austin, maybe not the biggest heavy hitter for the Dolphins, but somebody that we were really excited about was Mike Kosicki, especially, you know, uh, about three weeks ago when he was on this tear, had climbed all the way up to tight end, you know, like two or three. He's now kind of been up and down. How do we, you know, how do we like Kosicki in this matchup after he's kind of fell back down to earth, Austin? You know, the match was pretty good. I like that. I... <sighs> I see Gasicki as a standard tight end at this point with upside. Um, so many things you love to see with him. Six foot six, limited competition behind him, averaging over 80% snap share in the last six weeks of football. Love that. But just based on the combination of the system in Miami, the ability, and really just the tight end position overall, we've got ourselves a back end tight end one who will never be your problem, but is also not going to be your solution either. Um, outside of that top tier, he's a, he's a solid choice. And this week going up against the Giants 19th ranked pass defense, I like him. I have no hesitations rolling him out, but there were hopes that he might be in that upper tier. He just isn't for me right now. I got kind of like Logan Thomas vibes looking at Mike Kiseki right here. Um, so it's not bad. Again, he's not going to be your problem. He's not going to be your solution either. Sound, sounds like pretty much like every tight end ever outside of Kelsey, right? That's where, <laughs> where we're at at this point in the year. Um, Johnny, are we at a set it and forget it point for Miles Gaskin as we head into the playoffs? Guys really increased in the in the you know share of the touches and and the backfield. You know, I'll just briefly ask you know for when, after the follow up, like Philip Lindsay was signed. Is there any worry there, or do we think Gaskin's ready to rock here? I believe Gaskin is ready to rock. Uh, you know, Whisper Nation, you're welcome because apparently I was uh, the bad juju that was put on Gaskin because ever since I dropped him uh, after holding out for six or seven weeks, he's just been on an absolute tear. So if you still held on to him, you're welcome. <laughs> but in all seriousness, Gaskin has been just, they've been giving him the volume that we kind of expected coming into the season that we weren't really seeing over over the first half of the season. And so you're looking at Gaskin, you asked, is he just an automatic plug and play? Now he is an RB2. I definitely like him in this matchup. He's got a great schedule uh, down the stretch here where I still think that you can plug him in your, your lineup and, and you can have faith. Check this out. 16 or more carries in three out of four games. 25 total touches in two out of four games. That's a massive workload for running backs. 
five red zone carries in the first six games, boys. Not sexy at all. But like I said, once I released him onto the waiver wire, all of a sudden it was like Miami were like, oh, no, it's time. It is time. 25 total red zone touches, boys, since week seven for Miles Gaskin. 20 red zone carries in the last four games since week seven. Here are Miles Gaskin's finish in PPR. RB8, RB34, RB12, RB42, RB10, RB11. You're looking at this matchup against the Giants who have given up in their last four games an average of 29.8 fantasy points to opposing running backs, which is fourth in uh, the league during that span. So Miles Gaskin is remaining in my in my lineup if you have him. And I do think moving forward, you can trust him and that volume. Yeah, I need to do my fair share. You know, Johnny's over here taking thanks from Whisper Nation. I need to apologize a little bit to Whisper Nation here for Jalen Waddle because I had not believed over the last month that this was going to be something that stuck. I thought it was going to be more up and down. But the guy has just been the main vein through the passing attack for this team, and it's just, you know, withstood over the test of time so far this year. Nine or more targets in five of his last seven games. That brings him to seventh among wide receivers in the NFL. He's now fifth in receptions among wide receivers in the NFL. He ranks top 15 in red zone targets. He he ranks ninth in yards after catch. Um, Given the offensive environment, the injuries around him, plus the draft capital you spent on Waddle, he's becoming one of the best options in fantasy football. I pulled an old tweet from before the season where I said, if you're excited about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, you should be excited about drafting Jalen Waddle. And then I uh, replied to that tweet saying, I should have followed my advice. Zero shares of Jalen Waddle in any league this year. So... Uh, I got to start listening to myself, apparently, but (laughs) I will talk about this matchup recently. Obviously, the G-men have buttoned up against wide receivers. This defense is actually playing a little bit better uh, over the last uh, little bit here, but they've still given up the six most touchdowns to wide receiver and Waddle's role on the team. I think the volume is going to float him. He's locked into lineups for me uh, going forward pretty much as a, you know, flex our wide receiver too with with huge upside here. All right. The Indianapolis Colts are going to Houston to face. The Houston Texans is a 46 point over under with Indy favored by eight and a half on the road here in such a pivotal week, Austin, with so much on the line. We've got to get this win. Can we trust and count on Carson Wentz here against Houston? You, you know, you, you build a lot of suspense and you make me a little uncomfortable when you put the stakes know, on that high, but, that, but no, but that's, but that's fine. Right. And it, it brought me actually back. And I, I was looking at this prompt and I was thinking about it and I was like, you, you, it doesn't, it's another Sunday. Take a look at the logic, take away those butterflies, and take a look at what we're actually dealing with here with Carson Wentz. Uh, He's the 11th uh, ranked quarterback right now. He's a nice streamer after starting the year off slow after being Carson Ankles Wentz. You know, so he's on that uptick. Uh, You like to see that. Houston allows the 13th most points to fantasy quarterbacks. Not amazing, but it's a fine spot. You like that as well. I think he maintains his role as a high-end streamer, a back-end QB1. I love seeing a bit of a bounce-back game from Carson Wentz going up against Tampa Bay last week, throwing the ball 44 times, yummy, uh, amassing over 300 yards and three touchdowns. You know, he had a couple of down games, but he looks to be back. This looks like a good spot, and I see some positive logic encouraging you to start Carson Wentz this week up against Houston. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. And I think we ha- we can have some positivity for uh, Michael Pittman as well. We talked about Pittman as a sell high candidate after an incredible stretch of games. Uh, you know, from weeks five to nine, we- he was looking awesome. Uh, we now have seen him score 12, four and nine points in PPR respectively over the last three. It was nice to see him get back to double digit targets, though, against the Bucks for the first time since week eight. 
Still, six or fewer targets in five of seven games because this team is, bottom line, a run-first team. So that kind of opportunity floor is very much in his range of outcome. But uh, Indian Pittman get the Texans. They've been middle of the pack against wide receivers all year, averaging 23 points per game on average. But that number has spiked to 33, so really more opportunity over the last four weeks. So we really like MPJ. As Austin said, we're feeling good about Wentz in this matchup. I think that means we're feeling good about his weapons and, and Pittman as well. Um, Johnny, can we let it ride, though, with Doyle? He, he was the big beneficiary last week against Tampa Bay. Do you think we can roll in the flames here in this matchup? Yeah, unfortunately... I would not be looking Jack Doyle's way this week. Uh, it was much more of a matchup play last week as to why Doyle was able to do what he was able to do, uh, which was, you know, get to the fourth highest snaps of the season last last week. Second highest targets of the season was seven. And it was nice seeing another red zone target, which now he brings him to four, four total out of the last six games. But. There are some downsides, some negatives. He's still only playing 60% of snaps. It's still being split up with Mo Alley Cox, and they've got another tight end in there that they throw in every once in a while as well. And then you look at the matchup, bottom 10 over the last five weeks, four tight ends. Uh, when you're talking about this Houston defense, they do give up a lot to the receivers, not so much to the tight end position. So I would not roll in the flames and throw Jack Doyle and chase those points this week. Yeah, I like that. And just uh, I think the the case for uh, or the outlook for Jonathan Taylor now will be like if he can get five touchdowns against the Bills, what can he do against the Houston Texans? That's what we'll be watching for yeah. uh, this week. Moving over to the Houston Texans side of the ball. Austin, like I didn't really want to talk about anybody other than Brandon Cooks, but you you said, hey, look, these running backs, they're getting double digit carries over the last two weeks. Do we have any viability here? And I think it's a fair question. It's a fair question because people are going to be looking for running back options down at the end of the year. You know, we saw in our league of record, you know, Chase Edmonds, people blowing the rest of their wob to try to get him when he comes back. People are going to be playing ahead. Mm -hmm. Folks who are in a comfortable playoff spot, you know, look over here now to Rod Taylor leading the Texans. They've had a little bit of pop here and there. Philip Lindsay's gone. You know, what are we looking at right now? Is, is there some sneaky appeal over there in the Houston backfield? <laughs> On the first look, you think, well, maybe kind of Rex Burkhead last two weeks, 18 carries, 12 carries david johnson last two weeks 13 carries 10 carries and then four targets three targets like that's pretty darn good opportunity um but all four of those performances combined two from burkhead two from johnson combine for 18.3 fantasy points like if you're in a points per carry league or something like that i've never really heard of one like great um but these these guys would have some steam but i'm here to say don't trust the floor play running back volume i, I kind of took this and i put it in my fantasy journal last year I'm, that's a real statement uh but volume for running backs just isn't enough uh, you need explosivity ask any one of the houston backfield members ask adrian peterson signing up with the titans like opportunity from running back just isn't enough you need to have explosivity about it and you know look at kareem hunt doesn't get a ton of carries but he's explosive and then he's an rb2 so mm. uh monitor the explosivity and not just the volume when you're looking at running backs and unfortunately in houston i don't think any of these running backs have any explosivity yeah and i mean this offense has just kind of been that way right i mean it's just not been very explosive on offense but volume has ba basically helped our guy brandon cooks he's the wide receiver 25 in ppr points per game and has been Kind of the lone bright spot, if you could call it that, for Houston. But he has seen con a concerning dip in targets through the last two weeks after the bye. In that span, he's seen eight total targets, right, after averaging nearly 10 per game in the first nine weeks. 
It's a little bit concerning because it was after the bye, after we got Tyrod back, so we'll see what happens there. He does have scores in two of his last four games, but Cook remains a volatile wide receiver, too, from this game and 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 out. I do like the spot here, though, for Cooks. He tagged up this same Colts secondary for just under 18 PPR points in Week 6, and I like his touchdown chances again this week. Uh, no defense in the NFL, no defense, not Washington, not Kansas City, not Tampa Bay, have given up more touchdowns to wide receivers than the Colts this year. And remember, last week, Tampa Bay didn't even score on them with a wide receiver. They scored all running back, basically. And so that's telling you that there is a lot to be had here. I, I do like Cooks this week in a big way against uh, Indianapolis. All right, in a real barn burner out for the NFC North, we got the Detroit Lions hosting the Minnesota Vikings. It's a 46.5 point over under. Minnesota favored by nearly eight points on the road here. We'll start with the Vikings uh, situation because, look, we know pretty much every week what we're doing here uh, with them, We and we kind of debate Kirk Cousins' outlook each time, but we know we're starting our studs. I want to just check in a little bit on Madison because people are asking, like, you know, I mean, they know to start him against Detroit here, obviously, but he's been one of the one-for-one closest, uh, you know, replacements in the game we have, if not the closest. We have four games now dating back to last year where Mad- Madison has been the guy in those games for the Vikings. He's averaged over 20 carries, 86 yards a game, four and a half catches, 38 receiving yards a game, and he scored twice. So, again, they like to use him just as they use Dalvin Cook. You can count on us giving you the hard-hitting fantasy advice every single week, and you can count on your running backs as they play the Detroit Lions. Only Seattle and the Jets give up more to the position. Johnny, I want to really talk about the bigger question mark here that is Kirk Cousins in this particular matchup. Yeah, Kirk Cousins coming in as a top 10 quarterback on the year, believe it or not, uh, and he's been playing pretty solid when he knows, hey, this is where my center is and this is where I need to line up on the on the line. Uh, and actually play the quarterback position. But I would not be looking Kirk Cousins' way this week if I could. I would I would try to look elsewhere. And the reason is I understand on paper it looks, looks pretty juicy. It's against Detroit, the Detroit Kittens. But on the defensive side, they've actually kind of turned it around a little bit. Detroit has averaged just 13.7 fantasy points per game to the quarterback position over the last four weeks. They've played... Uh, Detroit back in week five and Kirk Cousins only put up 15.4 fantasy points. So I am trying to look elsewhere this week if I can, then Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it tends to be the situation. It could be, you know, obviously what happens with these teams that we end up boat racing, you get scripted out of the game. Does your quarterback have enough opportunity to get it done? Austin, we go on Wentz or Cousins here? That's a great question. I was thinking the exact same thing before you asked me about that one. Oh, boy. Um, You know, here's my concern with Detroit going up against Minnesota is that they get blown out, you know, and they shift it. That's where I'm always concerned. Wentz is in a similar position, though, with Houston. So it's a really close one. I would – I'd ask my grandma. (laughs) I love it. I'd I'd go the stepmom Lauren route. Go with your gut. Yeah, I think go with your gut. I will just say that the the thing tilting Cousins for me this way is just the weapons around him are more prone to a passing attack. And so, again, start your studs for those uh, for the Vikings here. We're starting Jefferson. You you know what, Travi? You're big. No, I'm going to go Carson. I'm going to go Chris. I'm not Carson. I'm going to go Kirk Cousins on this one because with Dalvin Cook out. 
the yeah. main vein is gone and, and they're going to have to rely on cousins they're going to rely on those pass catch a little bit more i mean madison could just fill in that role but i think there's logic suggesting now that kirk cousins is going to have to level it up as where verbs uh to to reiterate that out of out of minnesota campus that they might you know they might let cousins cook is what they said so we'll see what happens there and see if that's going to be viable. Kirk cousins over Carson. Uh, we talked about madison coming into the offense for the vikings i want to take the a little bit of the watered down version of madison here and, and talk a little bit about jamal williams obviously swift injured here could be out for multiple weeks um, we've seen this stance before with Williams. He filled in multiple times for our guy Aaron Jones over in Green Bay. Most recently, last year for two-week stretch, he handled 22 touches per game, nearly 100 all-purpose yards. Guys, I'm not I'm not drunk here. Different team, different offense, different quarterback. I get all that. But Williams wasn't decent RB3 flex for, mo- for the first month of this season. So we have that in this offense. And that was before Swift was out of the lineup and before Williams goes hurt which led to Swift's dominance. So Swift dealing with the shoulder sprain could be more of a day-to-day, could be a week-to-week thing. We'll, we'll watch that. But that's why Jamal Williams made to be one of the best waiver wire pickups this week. He set up beautifully in this matchup against the Vikings. The, the Lions will be forced to run. No clear other weapons in the passing game. Williams has shown chops in the receiving game as well. And finally, only five teams in the last four weeks have allowed more points on average to the running back position than Minnesota. They've really been gushing points to the running back there. So that's kind of where I'm at with Jamal Williams. But, Johnny, does Hawkinson actually stand to benefit from the swift injury and see increased looks in this offense? I ultimately do think that Swift, or excuse me, that Hawkinson will see a slight uptick in targets. But it's also hard to say that he's, I mean, because he's already seen 29% or more target share in three out of the last five games. So I don't know how much, I mean, maybe he gets 40%. We've seen that before. But again, I, I'm not sure how how much higher his ceiling can go as far as a target share. Six out of the last seven games, he's gotten over seven fantasy points. So a relatively safe floor there. Definitely not the Hawkinson we thought we were drafting. And then you're looking at this matchup. Minnesota has only surrendered one touchdown on the year to tight ends. They're bottom 10 in yards allowed to the tight end position with 474. Only the Jags have given up fewer fantasy points to opposing tight ends over the last five weeks. So not a great matchup at all, but it's going to be hard to get him out of the lineup, like you said, because no DeAndre Swift is there. So you would imagine he'd see maybe a little bit more, like one or two more targets, and then we'll see what he could do with them. But it's going to be harder to find someone to plug in for Hawkinson as a streamer this week. So, you know, tight end position is kind of what it is. And you just kind of plug your nose sometimes and go with it. I want to add one piece into that really quickly because it's mm. we talk a lot about these back end tight end ones and these different things like that. And I was talking about Kasiki and the qualifiers for him, you know, and you're checking off so many boxes, right? Huge stature, no real competition behind him, physical force, all this stuff. And I'm thinking, like, what's the one ingredient that's just not here? What's Hawkinson, similar boat. What's the mm. one ingredient that's not here? You, the quarterback needs to be obsessed with him. Like, and mm. I'm saying that just to paint a picture. Tom Brady is obsessed with Gronk. Drew Brees was obsessed with Jimmy Graham. Um, Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson is like borderline obsessed with Mark Andrews. Like he's kind of volatile in the way he plays, but you know, like he loves Mark mm-hmm. Andrews, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, same kind of thing. So it's like, you have to have that relationship between quarterback and tight end for them to actually be in that reliable tier where they're not just not your problem. They actually kind of are your solution. Like your Travis right. Kelsey's yeah, and, and your want- Wallers, Derek Carr and Darren Waller too. You know, he's to see yeah, there too. I love, I love the way of equating what you're saying to the number. Like if they are a, a shot to get the target lead in their team, then we like that. And that comes down to chemistry, obviously with a quarterback, but even in Kelsey's case, just quickly, it's like, 
That is a tight end who has lasted the system. Why? Because Andy Reid's, Reid's system is obsessed with Travis Kelsey. So the, mm-hmm. we have a situation where these systems, you know, Johnny likes to talk about coaching algorithms. The algorithms line up with that particular mm-hmm. player. And we're just not seeing that because of whatever play calling. Anthony Lynn was supposed to be the answer to that. You know, he's supposed to be a guy that targeted the tight ends. But we we look at Anthony Lynn's system. They were never the main veins in his system. Right. He just he got to them at a, at a certain point. So we'll see if they change coordinators next year or what happens there. On the New York or on the next uh, – uh, game we're going we're going to talk about the new york football jets they are hosting the philadelphia eagles i don't know how we get to call these new york squads football teams at any point like these are the most <laughs> designated squads and now we're yeah. going to be like calling them the football jets like come on now all right new york jets are hosting the philadelphia eagles it's a 45 and a half point over under philly favored by six and a half on the road Austin, is the Miles Sanders injury serious? We're getting not a lot of word out of it here. They did, you know, it was the ankle that kind of was sent him to the IR. Is it serious? And what what are our thoughts on the backfield with or without him? Right. Yeah. So Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni said on Monday that Sanders is heading in the right direction after suffering an ankle or foot injury. Sunday's 13 to 7 loss to the Giants. Now it's 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 a little bit indefinite. The, the thing that is also indefinite that we need to monitor, and it, it could help allude to how serious this really is, is, is this still connected to the same injury that put him on the IR? And we don't yet know. We know that teams are oftentimes a little bit, you know, why are they going to share all their information? Why are they going to be fully transparent if they want to bring this guy out there? So I, I expect caution from the Eagles in terms of how they talk about this. I think it also makes sense to be cautious in the way they play Miles Sanders. And if that's the case, Boston Scott is going to get a serious uptick over here. Uh, He'd be in a great spot, I think, if both Sanders and Howard are out. The offense has options. He's still not – he's not a bad halfback at all. I'm going to say the offense has options. Jalen Hurts can run. Devonta Smith's got play. Uh, Godert's a good option there. So, like, they can keep the defense on their heels a little bit, keep them honest, um, which could make up for a little bit of Boston Scott's skill set. But he's got got a decent skill set right now. He's averaging a rush grade of 73.7 per pro football focus. That is solid green for those observing the color scale uh, i really like whoever gets the majority of the carries this week in philadelphia and really almost any week moving forward if gainwell jumps up if something like that happens i would like that person in that position uh especially going up against the jets who rank dead last uh defending the run big trevi yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Boston Scott, and if we were in a situation where you needed the one win, he would be my take over Jamal Williams off the waiver, as I talked about, because I think he's got the best shot, but he's got to buy next week, so it could be that one-week rental. We'll see what happens with that Eagles uh, injury situation. Another injury to watch on this team and another ankle is that of Jalen Hurts. The injury that he picked up last week, three interceptions in last week. Are we starting to worry about Jalen Hurts? It wasn't pretty for our guy but could have been bailed out by some massive drops from Jalen Rager that put me fully on tilt, as I saw on Twitter the the day after. Uh, He rolled his ankle late, was seen limping off the field, and then into the tunnel, continued to check his status because the Eagles play the Jets, and their bye week is the week after. So they could be sitting in a situation where saying, we play the Jets, our bye week's there, do we really need to push Hurts here? They are still kind of fighting for a playoff spot, though, and Minshew could be the type of quarterback that, you know, gives it up to the Jets. So we'll see what they do here. As far as the matchup, it's a great one. The Jets aren't just bad against the run, as Austin pointed out. They rank 30th in, uh, against the pass as well. They are good at one thing, being bad. Uh, this is a great matchup. He goes, uh, if he goes, you know, last week was the only only the second time for Jalen Hurts that he's finished outside the top 12 at the position, depending on your scoring. So I, I really like Jalen Hurts if he were to able, able to go here. As Hurts goes, though, Johnny, so do Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, correct? Correct. Uh, That is definitely something that 
is going to be uh, an effect on whether or not we would start Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard is, is the health of Hertz, right? If health, if Hertz does end up playing, I do think he does play. Then it has been uh, matched up against some pretty strong corners as far as, as Devonta Smith over the last couple of weeks. Not the case this week. This week, he gets the Jets, Jets, who are allowing the second most fantasy points to uh, wide receivers on average over the last five weeks. So we really hope that Hurts goes in this one. Smith getting six targets in three out of four games, a red zone target in three out of four games. So I do think he's on that, you know, lower end our uh, wide receiver two range. And then obviously he has the upside. If he can get a touchdown, he gets the long targets from Hurts down the field. Uh, so Here's the other thing right? that this is a quick side note. If if the guys could catch the damn ball, Hertz would be way safer. Yeah, like oh, he uh, had he had four uh, drops last last week that could have saved his day. And yet it, it was like they all decided to eat some uh, extra buttery popcorn before for, the damn, the damn game. Day, the, and and hey. think about the fact that he was quarterback one coming into last week. And if we have him and Rager and Quez Watkins, uh, Kez Watkins catching touchdowns against Denver. I mean, imagine the ceiling of Jalen Hurts. If right. he gets wide receivers that can catch the ball. That's where it's really at with him because he's already got the floor. Last week was a little bit rough. But yeah, I agree with you, Johnny. I mean, hey. where are the... We got to quit talking about how bad his hurts and talk about what's going on around him. You know? Yeah. That's the problem is every, every single time I'm watching this game, he throws a, a dime, a dime pass right on the numbers or right yeah. through the, right on the hands slips right through him. I'm like, this is, this is, and, and what's sad is he gets blamed for it, which is not accurate. But again, Devonta Smith is the guy that I would play in this stack if I had to. Uh, and then just talk about Dallas Goddard real fast because people have been asking us hitting him up. Are hitting us up about Dallas Goddard. The the matchup's not terrific, even though it does say it's against the Jets. You know, on paper, you're like, oh, it's the Jets. You know, they've been giving up a lot of passing yards. Well, it's mostly to the wide receiver position, not necessarily the the tight end. But, but the Jets are giving up the seventh most yards to opposing tight ends this season with 664. So that that uh, gives you a nice safety blanket floor to feel confident in starting Goddard. Uh, and then you just look at what he's done, like the production to give you a little bit more comfortability of starting him over 30% target share in three out of the last five games. You got to remember one of those games, he didn't play a full game cause he got knocked out of, uh, because of concussion. And then you're looking at his snaps, 95% of snaps in four out of five games, basically because, uh, he was out with that COVID. So the, the snap share ever since Ertz has gone away, uh, has really benefited go, uh, Dirt. So again, we talk about tight ends all the time, but it's going to be harder to find one, uh, better this week than Godert. Seems to be the case. What we're really trying to do is just be your fantasy football therapist with tight end and just yeah, kind of ease you into like, yes, it's going to be okay. You know, here's a hug. It, it's going to be fine. All right. On the other side of the ball, you're going to need a lot of hugs if you're thinking about starting some of these Jets players. Uh, I wanted to just kind of check the temperature on Elijah Moore, though, because he was exploding. We got Wilson back. Some of my concerns that I talked about. Wilson back in the lineup, what that could mean for a floor for Elijah Moore. How are you feeling here now, Johnny, after that week of Wilson last week? The floor is pretty sexy with uh, Elijah Moore even still. I mean, it, it's not, again, you're not going to get this high, high upside like, a, you know, a, a Jamar Jefferson or a, a Devontae Adams. You're not kind of getting that kind of floor. But I think for a what-the-heck flex wide receiver three that has, you know, wide receiver one upside, 
I do think more fits that bill moving forward. Now you're talking about this matchup. I'm not playing him in this matchup because Philadelphia has been absolutely stout against wide receivers over the last five weeks, boys. Only the New England Patriots have given up fewer fantasy points to wide receivers than the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you're just like, and you know, Elijah Moore, what can you expect if you do play him? Well, he's, you know, 70, 70% snap share and three out of four games. So he's getting that up there. He's being on the field a lot more. He's only seen less than six targets twice this entire season, four total touchdowns in the last four games, 50 or more air yards and three out of the last four. So I do think there's a relatively safe floor if you have to throw him in your lineup but I would try to look elsewhere. Darius Slay has been literally just shutting down guys this week or this year. So I'm staying away this week, but moving forward, I'm still okay with Elijah Moore. Yeah. And there, you know, somebody else popped up for the, the jets over the last couple of weeks. And we, you always want to look at what running backs are available, right? So we looked at Tevin Coleman off the waiver because, you know, with the playoffs on the line, we got to ask, is Tevin Coleman worth a flex consideration this week? Honestly, if you picked him up, I get it. You really, you probably need him, right? That's why you picked him up. Uh, he started this season as the starter, and he has a history with this coaching staff. He led the backfield in touches last week, 18 touches, 70 scoreless yards, even four yards per carry. So not terrible uh, there for your guy, Tevin Coleman. Against the Miami defense, it's been pretty stout over the last you know bit, but Buyer beware here because I did like this matchup for the waiver column. You know, Eagles giving up the ninth most rushing yards over the but over the last month, not so much. They've been the third stingiest defense to fantasy running backs. Check this out, guys. They faced Eckler, Melvin Gordon, and Javante Williams, Mark Ingram, and Saquon. And over that span, only Ingram was able to top 60 yards, and only Gordon was able to get a touchdown in the last month against Philly. Wow. So they have really been, you know, locked down on these running backs over the last few weeks. So Coleman, in the most desperate of situations, he is a desperate flex, but that is the ranking we're giving him here. Desperate flex. You'd have to be really wanting to get him in your lineup uh, or really needing to at this point based on buys on injuries. want to let Whisper Nation know a little bit about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have player prop bets like over and under on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals, and more. We will be helping you build a few bet slips each week. And when you go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, you'll get a 100% deposit match for up to $100 when you use the promo code TFW. That's underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for $100 in match money for your first deposit. All right, boys, this should be a, a you know glorious game for our Cardinals fans as we move on to the next one because they are going to Chicago to face the Chicago Bears in a 45.5 point over under with the Cardinals favored by nearly eight points on the road. We've got Kyler Murray set to come back. Now, today was he was said, you know, they probably could put it out of context, but he said he was hopeful to come back. I imagine we'll see him back. He was posting some stuff on Twitter. We're all excited to get K1 back, and if you have him, you're obviously rolling him out there. Chicago has been allowing 17 points per game on average, but they've been even better over the last month. However, they've played guys like Tyler Huntley, Jared Goff, Big Ben, and Jimmy G. That None of those are like K, you know, K1 here. We're going LFG for our guy here. Um, look, Austin, maybe the most consistent piece of the entire Cardinals offense this year is James effing Connor. Yeah, right. And I don't think it's going to slow down. We talk about touchdown dependency being something difficult to bank on, but it's clear that James Connor's touchdown role is a part of the system, something that he has thrived in, something they want to see more of. I mean, over the last five games, he's had one or more touchdowns. He leads the league. Uh, the last three weeks also, he's 
averaging five passing targets per game with over 40 receiving yards tacked on. So he's getting a couple of other diverse plays where he could rack you up some fantasy points. Like he was doing it with the touchdowns pre chase Edmonds injury. Now with Chase Edmonds out, you know, last week, 21 carries, uh, 10 against that weird game again in Carolina, but then 21 carries for 96 yards against San Francisco the week before that. So we're seeing the opportunity for him to get a lot of volume. We know that he's going to get a lot of work on the goal line, and it looks like he's doing really good with that. He's getting more involved in the passing game as well. I have James Conner as an RB1 until Chase Edmonds returns, and I think you can still enjoy Chase, or excuse me, James Conner in your roster even when that happens, he's just matchup proof for me based on how diverse this offense is. Oh, cover the go, go cover DeAndre Hopkins and, and Rondell Moore. And then like, oh, we're going to sneak you up with James Conner, Kyler Murray. It's, 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 it's a slam dunk for James Conner pretty much each and every week. You just kind of hope that Chase Edmonds stays out. So he gets that volume, uh, but he's going to stay in your lineup moving forward. And this week against Chicago, 28th ranked rush defense. Like what else do you need? Get him in your lineup. Enjoy it. Absolutely. I can't wait to, to be at the end of the season here looking at those rosters that win championships and what players were on them. And I'm telling you, man, I think James Conner is going to be on a ton of those rosters. Cordell Patterson, some of these later round guys, but Conner, man, is just looking absolutely like a, a, a big, big win for you. Johnny, we're looking like we're going to get Hopkins back here. And I want to know what that means for him, the pass catchers in this matchup against Chicago. Yeah, on paper, it doesn't look great. Chicago giving up the ninth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers in the last four games. But, and there's a big but, there's a lot of caveats around that. I mean, you, Big Travi brought up their schedule and their quarterbacks that they face. Well, you know, you talk about the wide receivers, not, you know, the most, you know, Detroit, no one really scared from that position. Right. Baltimore, you know, quarterback, you know, Lamar's a little inconsistent with that. You had uh, Brown that was a little banged up. You had Pittsburgh the week before, once again, and and Deontay did just fine. And then Sam Fran the week before that, and Debo was just fine. So it's a little bit skewed uh, in, in that ranking and the fact that, like, those quarterbacks aren't really – ones that push the ball down the field. We know that Kyler and this Arizona Cardinals offense will. And so I do think you can start not only DeAndre Hopkins, but I, I think that AJ Green is a uh, what the heck flex this week if you need him. And Christian Kirk even has uh, he's a wide receiver three, but he has upside with with Kyler Murray coming back because despite Chicago, you know, just giving up the ninth fewest fantasy points over the last four game boys, they have in all actually 20 they're averaging over 23 points given up per game on average or not on average. like they've given up over 24 actual points per game so far this season cardinals aren't going to have a problem scoring and then you look at the what the bears secondary has done they've allowed the eighth most touchdowns to opposing wide receivers this season with 12 and then Artie burns Gave up the deep touchdown pass from Goff to uh, Big Travis boy, Josh Reynolds, on Turkey Day. That will be the guy who's going to be lined up against A.J. Green. So that's why I do think that A.J. Green is a nice what-the-heck flex this week, and you can plug him and play him if you need to. Uh, but I'm definitely getting Hopkins. And then I just want to touch in on Ertz, because we do get some questions on Ertz, uh, and whether you should start him. Top 12 matchup, actually, for tight ends over the last four weeks. Chicago Bears have been most susceptible to that. And then you look at Zach Ertz and what he's done since coming to the Arizona Cardinals. He, he's only seen fewer than five targets one time uh, since coming to Arizona. So you like the steady volume that he's getting, and then you like the matchup. So I'm I'm down to play Zach Ertz this week. 
Yeah, I, I think against Chicago here is almost eight-point favorites. It'll, again, be one of those situations like how much can we get from our playmakers before we they're not going to need them anymore. Um, right. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, on the Chicago side, look, we're getting a lot of questions because we said, hey, go buy low on Dave Montgomery. Did not have the greatest matchup against Detroit. So we're you know people are asking what's going on. Will he bounce back this week? Look, once in a while, our studs can't cash in on juicy matchups. That was the case last week uh, against Detroit. He is still getting all the running back t- touches, including 20 last week. And we'll get another shot to cash in on a softer run defense, basically from here on out. Uh, with his schedule. So if you can still get an offer out for Montgomery, I would do it. I would go try to buy it if you can. It's hard for me to think he doesn't have a solid game here. Arizona, because if I'm Chicago, again, you have to assume rational coaching. But if I'm Chicago and I want to stop the Cardinals from scoring on me all the time, I'm running the ball as much as I can. And Mm -hmm. Arizona, as good as they are, still ranked as one of PFF's worst run defenses in the league right now. And it's it started to equate to big fantasy points. Sometimes that doesn't match up, but this time it has. Over the last month, they've led up 26.7 points per game on average to the position. So I do think there's room to uh, move here on them, and I think that's how they would do it. But, Johnny, something has to give here. We've got Darnell Mooney you know, on a tear. We've got a tough Arizona secondary. What do you think gives here? I, I want to temper expectations for those who have Darnell Mooney. I understand if you want to stick in the flames because he has been on fire over the last four weeks uh, with having – back-to-back games of over 120 yards. Uh, he's had three three games this season with over 100 receiving yards. Uh, he's leading this team. Talk about Chicago Bears. He's leading them in targets and uh, receiving yards. He is the guy. He is the wide receiver option that you want. Unfortunately, it's not our boy, Allen Robinson, who continues to struggle to even get back on the field. He's still not at practice. So when it comes to Darnell Mooney, The reason I say temper expectations is because over the last four weeks, Arizona has been bottom seven, has been a bottom seven matchup for wide receivers, allowing just 27.6 fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, which does sound like a lot of fantasy points. But again, you do trust Andy Dalton and this matchup, you know, I, I don't mind if you have to throw him in your lineup because his upside is there, right? If you're swinging for the fences, but just don't bank on it this week. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Los Angeles Chargers in a 50.5 over-under. We've got the Chargers favored by three, or I'm sorry, Cincinnati favored by three at home here. This is one of the most exciting games for me on the slate here. We're going to get you know, Herbert versus Burrow. We're going to get some high-powered offenses when they want to be in this situation. Um, when I'm looking at the Chargers side of the ball, it's basically the Chargers are a Jekyll and Hyde situation. We know they're good with the bad, but Basically, they're Jekyll and Hyde on their playmakers, too, because we've seen good with bad and up and down. So we have our darlings in Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, and then we have our boomer bust in BMW and Herbert is how it's kind of been this year. Johnny, we'll start with the positive here. And, you know, obviously we're starting Eckler and Allen here. Yeah, you're definitely you're definitely starting uh, at both of them. Temper your expectations a little bit on on Keenan Allen, but he gets enough volume that should float you. I just don't expect a massive blow up day because the corners for Cincinnati are are pretty difficult. And Big Travis is going to jump into that in just a second. Uh, but I did want to just touch on Austin Eckler, just top five matchup for running backs this week uh, or over the last four weeks has been Cincinnati. That's where you can you know get the most fantasy points from them. And then you look at what Austin Eckler, he's only had less than 11 fantasy points in half PPR in nine out of the 12 games uh, or 
sorry, in three out of the 12 games so far this season. So he's he's been one of the most solid running backs that you could have picked in the first round. And I do think even moving forward, he will be one. You talk about those guys at the end of the year who is on that list to win championships. I Without a doubt, I believe Austin Eckler will be on a vast majority of those championship teams because his schedule moving forward is absolutely beautiful, and it starts with this matchup. So I am definitely getting him in. I wanted to plug in really quickly. We know we talk about Austin Eckler and his love of fantasy football, right? And how he's in on it, and we know that. And you know he's in his own lineup, so get him in yours. Yeah. Did you did you hear Brandon Staley, Chargers head coach, after last game? Uh. Uh. In the oh, locker yeah. room, he's giving out game balls, you know, and Austin Eckler obviously had a phenomenal game. And it's like, you know, and I know that I know that he's into fantasy football and he's building an empire over there, whatever he's doing. But, you know, Austin Eckler and yeah, I heard awesome. it and I was like, oh, wow, like he just incorporated the head coach into this monumental, very efficient, very productive day. And mm-hmm. Austin Eckler's not saying no. And I'm just wondering if you he's going to get more recognition. He's going to get yeah. more endorsement deals. He's going to get more of all this kinds of stuff. And I wonder if you start seeing other players being like, well, maybe I'm going to yeah, lean in this for a little added yeah. motivation. Now yeah. lean in instead. Sometimes we see the players be like, I don't know, fantasy, you know, like I'm not, I don't care about your fantasy team. Maybe leaning in is the other way. And then we love that because then we get a little bit of an edge on what we're doing as far as projecting them. Yeah, you get, you get yeah. information from the source, yeah, from the we'd, tap, we'd dude. Love, we'd love to get more of that. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to try and get some information to you, Whisper Nation, on these guys, especially Justin Herbert and Mike Williams, based on what they've done for us. You know, last week we talked about Herbert being a, the QB. I think he was like the QB four or five, and but only having a couple games inside the top 12 because of they were monster performances. Uh, starting to round out a nice floor, though, as of late, he's got uh, 21 or more fantasy points in three of his last four. He's climbed up to QB three on the year. And as the Chargers run defense has continued to struggle, I imagine it still will. Herbert has seen himself get pushed to throw because these teams are actually having their way with the Chargers defense on the run, on the ground game. So he's actually gone for 41 and 41 or 40, 41 and 44 attempts over the last two games. Look, the over under is nice. The second year uh, first round quarterback narrative is nice. I do have a feeling that that we he could let down on the ceiling game this week due to mostly the fact that the strength of the Bengals team is in their secondary. They are allowing the seventh fewest fantasy points per game to opposing QBs. I do think that there is a bit of inflate. That is a bit of inflated number, though. They have only played three top twelve quarterbacks all year: Kirk Cousins, Lamar, and Rodgers. All of them cleared twenty fantasy points. So I do think Herbert's fine with the floor. He's going to clear your twenty, but to be banking on one of those 30, 50 burgers, I think this is going to be one of those. You know, we're we're gassing it up to be a shootout. You know, and it's really it looks like it's going to be Mixon versus Eckler all day because like both of these run defenses yeah. are are really bad. But to just touch. On Big Mike Williams here. Look, I don't have much new news to tell you. He is inconsistent. He kind of always has been in his career. He seems to be a little bit healthier than he was before the bye, but still has only seen over seven seven fantasy points in the last month in one game. Uh, and that was that 20-burger against Pittsburgh. Can he be trusted? No. A trust is a strong word in fantasy right now. We can't really just throw out the word trust, but he's better than most of your waiver wire options. Yes. He's living on some earlier season production. That's why he's the wide receiver 17 in PPR, but he's really more like a wide receiver low end two, high end three with some wide receiver one upside any given week. As far as this matchup this week, Williams will spend time split between both Awuzier and Eli Apple at corner for the Bengals. Look at Awuzier has been the better cornerback, only allowing 54% catch rate. PFF ranking this matchup for uh, Big Mike Williams is below average. 
But then additionally, because he's splitting with Eli Apple, even though he's ranked lower than Awuzie, he's allowing fewer yards per route run than his teammates. So this is all to say I don't like the matchup for BMW. Fade if you can. I understand we want to play him given the upside Evan getting weak. But again, I think if we can try to project game script, this is one of those ones that I think run versus run game is probably where we're going. So, Johnny, that leads me to ask you for the Bengals side of it. Where's our confidence in Burrow returning to that earlier season form? Yeah, he started this season like lighting things up uh, and we were like, hey, we got to jump back in the bandwagon here for Joe Burrow. And then you're looking at this matchup. You're like, hey, it's not that bad of a matchup, you know, on paper uh, with the L.A. Chargers giving a their middle of the pack as far as fancy points to opposing quarterbacks. But after zero games, boys, with less than two passing touchdowns in a game through the first eight weeks, Burrow has gone ice cold and he has failed to reach uh, to throw more than one touchdown in a game over the last three games. Uh, he's also during that span or during this whole season, he's also thrown at least one interception in all but three games, at least one interception. Then you look at the matchup, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Mac Jones, Hertz, and Cousins, who would probably put in, you know, well, maybe not Lamar, but definitely Derek Carr, Mac Jones, Hertz would be in that, and Cousins would be in that kind of, oh, do we start Joe Burrow or one of these guys? And then you look at what this defense has done to those quarterbacks throughout the season. Only Kirk Cousins, uh, all of them were held under 22 fantasy points. Only Kirk Cousins uh, in a six-point touchdown league scored 22 fantasy points. Hey, but here's a little like if you want to get cute, I can throw this out. This is uh, a shout out to Big Travi here because he'll like this stat. The only quarterback to go over 20 fantasy po- 22 fantasy points against this defense. Well, you've got you got Pat Mahomes, which you, everyone knows that one. That one's like, you know, but it's your boy. Big Travi's favorite Baker Mayfield. Baker Cut Mayfield put up 28. Cut against- the mic. Stop the count. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you have faith in that. Then and you're like, hey, if Baker Mayfield can do it, then I believe Joe Burrow can. But I would advise not to go that way if you can this week. If we think that the secondary is tough here, if we think we've got a struggling Burrow a little bit too, uh, just based on what this vol- or this offense likes to do. Also, does that mean we're downgrading our wide receivers in this particular matchup here? You know, I think we definitely have to take a close look at it, and I feel comfortable downgrading Jamar Chase. And it's not so much just because of the matchup. The matchup's not great, so it doesn't point in. It doesn't throw any up arrows into the pot. And, you know, Jamar Chase, near elite to start off this season. Uh, shown so many amazing plays and abilities. But over the last four games, he has not eclipsed 49 yards. And that same stretch, he's had his greatest average amount of targets all season long. So it's like, man, what would happen if they just gave him the rock? And it's like, well, he's going to get under 50 yards is what's happened in the last several games. Now, that's going to straighten out. You know, there's a few reasons why that's stacking up, but it's tough to count on the big play. And Jamar Chase seems to be somebody who was banking off of that big play to start the year. I mean, we had so many of them. So it's like, dare I say, big play dependent in his rookie season, a guy who can make a big play but you're going to need him to do that if he's going to make the day. Um, And it's, it's always on the table. For Jamar Chase, he's that good. He's that type of player. He's got that relationship with Joe Burrow. But it's going to be something difficult to bank on of when is Jamar Chase going to have two guys with their arms around his pelvis and they just fall to the ground and he stays up and runs into the end zone. Um, so moving on then to T. Higgins, I, I like Jamar Chase. I'm not pulling him out. 
I'm just tempering those expectations. T. Higgins has shown pop. We know that he's able to do this. Last week was his best game of the year, bringing in six catches for 114 yards and a touchdown. He can do this. We know this. Um, I like him as a high-end flex. Uh, but because of that inconsistency in this tough matchup, I'm putting him in that flex spot. Boyd is a what-the-heck flex most of the time. Um, that's slightly more desperate, though, this week uh, and coming off of uh, a dud with two catches for 13 yards last week. I'm not benching any of my usual starters, but just don't bank on a bangle outside of mixing this week. That's how I'm looking at it, Trevi. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point here. It really segues into what I wanted to really quickly say on mix. And But I think it, what we're looking at here now is, one, not only has – I don't know if Burroughs necessarily struggled so much or if the offensive identity has shifted for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. They want to run the ball, and they've played teams that are better at, at, at you know kind of defending the pass. That doesn't seem to be changing coming up here. They've got the Chargers, San Francisco – Denver, Baltimore, Kansas City. Some of these teams, I mean, obviously Kansas City, but some of these teams down the stretch are going to be better against the pass than they are the run, which sets up really nicely for Mixon going forward and maybe a little bit of a situation where maybe we missed the window on a sell high for Chase because we were kind of addicted to the idea that Chase was going to be Justin Jefferson reincarnate. He didn't quite hit that yet. He could still do it. I'm not saying he can't, but it looks like we might be getting into a situation where he's not going to see quite the yardage that Jefferson was getting because this offense doesn't require that of him. Um, Look, you know, you you don't need my help saying anything about Mixon, but I just want to say that he's doing his best full Derrick Henry impression over the last two weeks. 58 carries, 288 rushing yards, and four touchdowns in two weeks. That is absolutely bonkers. We know they're bad, uh, you know, at stopping the run. So if I know they're bad, Austin, Johnny, you guys know they're bad, then the Bengals probably know that they're bad against stopping the run to pray for your friends who play against Joe Mixon this week. It's going to be absolute brutal. Uh, that that uh, the only unfortunate uh, part or, or lie that I just heard you say was you, you said that putting together a Derrick Henry like uh, a couple of weeks there. That just sounds like one Derrick Henry game. What are we talking about? <laughs> 50 carries, 230 yeah. yards. That's one game for Derrick Henry. Yeah, maybe. It sounds he's a mythological like, creature. It <laughs> sounds kind of like Derrick Henry to me. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, the New Orleans Saints are hosting the Dallas Cowboys in our last matchup of the week, but of this part one, but also the first matchup of the football week this week. So 47 and a half point over under. Uh, Dallas favored by four and a half on the road here. We'll see what happens with this whole team. There's been so much misreporting and, and wild stuff over the last four days. Their coach has COVID. Amari had COVID, but still has a cough, is back in the building, might not play, will play. We don't know. Here's what we know for the full game. I'll just give us a, a few updates that were sleeper as we came on air here. Mark Ingram with his knee is ready to go for Thursday night football. That's what we know uh, for the New Orleans Saints and uh, they also have Taysom Hill in line to start practice fully all week, and his foot seems to have no injury status. Alvin Kamara, questionable after getting in a couple limited uh, sessions. And then Dallas wide receivers, Amari Cooper limited, but uh, is questionable now. After yesterday, we had Mike McCarthy say he probably w- wouldn't play. They, that was the the blurb. Now we're saying that he's probably going to play. So there, that's where we're at. Either way, I want to start here on the Dallas side of the ball, and I want to start uh, – Johnny, we looked at this matchup on paper on the season and we look at the same. We're saying, oh, they're kind of a tougher matchup, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case here. And where are we at with Dak? And then maybe touch in on Dalton Schultz because he'll be the odd man out after Austin gets into some of the wide receivers. Yeah, boys, uh, I'll bring up Dak and I'll, I'll let you know, but I'm just looking at this line and I'm like, I'm just and this matchup. Dallas is only favored by four and a half. 
uh or that I mean, might that's, have changed. That's let, me, let me check the live line here but um if because i'm all i'm all i'm bringing that up is like if that is the case then yeah. that might be a really good bet because you i don't know how they don't win by more than four and a half points but uh you know biggest is smarter than i am and here we are so uh as far as Dak goes the saints are actually over the last five weeks are kind of a little bit disarrayed. Like their defense is starting to fall apart a little bit. Uh, they're actually allowing the uh, allowing 27 fantasy points on average per game over the last five weeks, which is the most to opposing quarterbacks. So Dak should be just fine. You should have a nice bounce back week. There's, which is also why I was like looking at this line and being like, yo, I, I would take this bet if it's only four and a half, um, which I know we don't normally talk or cover that. But uh, and then you just asked about Dalton Schultz. Uh, Saints have been top 12 matchup for the tight ends over the last five weeks but this is a, a temper expectations kind of thing because yes Dalton Schultz has seen 15 targets over the last two weeks with the wide receiver core banged up but we talked about potentially uh having uh again Amari Cooper back but then you also look at the defense even though they have surrendered uh, or been a top 12 matchup it's mostly yardage it's not a heavy touchdown uh they don't they've only surrendered three touchdowns all season the Saints have on defense and two of those touchdowns came last week against Dawson Knox, which I was your boy was way wrong on Dawson Knox. But I just think that if you're going to start Schultz, just temper your expectations. Don't expect a mega mega ball stay. Uh, but I think he'll be just fine, just like a lot of these other tight ends we talked about today. Austin, one of the bigger storylines is the wide receiving core coming out of Dallas. Uh, I just think the typical Dallas fashion, they have a million storylines and they're just all over the news because this is what they do. But Cooper likely will play CD returning. What is our outlook for these, uh, you know, these big weapons for Dak Prescott out there on the outside? Well, you know, we've had a couple of cases already when we've said they're coming back from a game or they're coming back from an ailment. They're coming back from some adversity. Do we tempt? Do we play him? Do we temper expectations? And and especially CD Lamb, he's bounced. You know, yeah. so if he's in, I'm feeling good. And I actually like Amari Cooper coming back from some added rest. I think that he could come in and do fine. My overall expectations are tempered on Amari Cooper, but I am going to be playing both of these guys. I, I regardless, if they're starting for the Cowboys, they are going to be in my lineups as I would be evaluating them. CD's probably your wide receiver one. Maybe your two if you're lucky. Cooper, I'm putting him in that flex for me. He's, he's got that type of appeal. And Gallup, though, I wanted to throw a little nod out to Michael Gallup, who I think is mm -hmm. earning a bit of sneaky flex appeal, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more than less than desperate flex mm -hmm. appeal. And that really just comes from last week. We saw Gallup perform the way that we know his talent can allow him to perform 106 yards on five catches, 96% snap share. You know, the Cowboys liked having that option available to them on Thanksgiving Day. Now, he's going to be relegated to his older role if Cooper and CeeDee Lamb do come back, but he showed up. He made it happen, and these other guys are not 100%. He did really, really well. They relied on him, and he was able to handle it. I think that he's going to be earning some more consideration from Dak and the Cowboys. Now, if that translates to points, we'll see. But I, I am bringing him a little bit up onto the sneaky flex, a little bit away now from the less-than-desperate flex for Michael Gallagher. I like this call, too, because if Cooper is going to come in and see a ton of Marshawn Lattimore, then Gallup could stand to benefit by seeing the opposite corner over there. Mm -hmm. But I think they'll probably split that because they do move him around. But obviously, yeah, I do. I love this take because not enough people are talking about Gallup's. I mean, he's just a stud, man, and he plays the third wide receiver on this team. So, like, that's just what you deal with when you have the plethora of weapons. 
look, it's not just a waiver wire article or research that keeps me up till 2.30 a.m. at night, every night to kind of get you this advice. I am heavily invested with Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard across multiple leagues. So I'm with you, Whisper Nation, as I pull my hair out at night, seeing conflicting reports of, you know, oh, they're going to ease off or back off of Zeke Elliott through the Thanksgiving uh, day, uh, day weekend where I'm actually going absolutely bonkers because why didn't you do that on Thanksgiving then and just give Tony Pollard the entire plate of food? But instead, no, we're going to piss me off and, and put him in there. Then I told you guys about this on the Monday stream where I'm watching Tony Pollard rip off down the sideline only to realize it was the defense playing against me. But either way, that's fine. What I want to talk about is this matchup and what we have to do with the information we're giving. So the industry and Dallas media have talked at length about this situation, and we know what it looks like. The big money is tied to an RB that looks slower and less effective than his backup. Bottom line, okay? The bottom line, though, really, is the dude is one of the faces of the franchise, Zeke is, and Jerry loves him very much so. Uh, and he's also one of the most utilized backs in fantasy. So whether or not he's effective or not, he is used a lot in fantasy so far. We have to trot him out there. We got to temper expectations. We look at Tony Pollard. Some more fuel to the fire here is that Pollard is ranked PFF's number three running back, and Zeke is ranked number 29. And behind backs like Jamal Williams, Boston Scott, and Kenyon Drake. So not pretty for Zeke over the last little bit. We know about the knee thing, but Pollard also seeing double-digit carries and four more receptions in two of his last three, uh, four or more receptions in two of his last three games as Zeke's uh, knee has flared up. When we break it all down, 47 touches for Zeke to 40 for Pollard over the last three games. This is a tough spot to project. It's on Thursday night. The Cowboys are playing against the Saints defense. They've looked up and down. We don't really know. Uh, they don't, you know, The Saints only allow the sixth fewest points per game over the last month. This feels like some of the worst kind of fortune telling you could ask for. But I think I'm buying into this, what snake oil salesman Jerry Jones is selling down here in Dallas, and Zeke has to be the play this week. He has more of a mid-RB2 with the recent struggles upside in there, and Pollard now shifts back down after the weekend. We were saying, oh, he's RB2 now. You know, I think he's back down to an RB3 with flex. I'm still holding on in the passing game. He's getting 15 catches. Uh, you know, or I'm, I'm sorry, we, we want to say that Pollard's going to be the passing back or pass catching back if they increase his work, but Zeke's still getting 15 catches over Pollard's 12 over the last few weeks. So again, I, like it's not pretty. Obviously, our priors are shifted on Zeke, and we're feeling a little bit of that you know restraint as we go in. But again, I think Zeke will still be the touchdown guy. He's going to get the bulk of the carries, and he's likely going to get the bulk of the receiving too because he's one of the better route running backs that there are in the NFL right now, and he runs a lot of them. So for me, yeah, if you're desperate, Pollard's going to be a better flex play than guys like Tevin Coleman that we picked up off the waivers. But I think, you know, Pollard's a guy that's not going to be as pretty as, as he was after last week in his big game here. Seven days have been in between there. When we move over to the other side of the football field, we have the uh, New Orleans Saints playing against them. And we've got a, you know, offense that's just been all over the place this year. And speaking of which, it looks like Taysom Hill is finally in line to start. Our confidence level, Johnny, in him as, as a fantasy option, and would he be starting for you this week? So that's a heavy, heavy question because uh, when you talk about this the Cowboys defense, you're looking at a really good defense, especially when you're when you're talking about against opposing quarterbacks, enemy quarterbacks. Cow uh, Cowboys are bottom nine defense for quarterbacks over the last five weeks. They've been really taking care of that position. And then you're looking at Taysom Hill, who hasn't started in a while as a quarterback coming off of, uh, you know, concussions. 
would I play him in this game? What we opened up the start of the show is I would not get I would not get cute this week. Do I think Taysom Hill could have value moving forward? I do. But this is a difficult matchup, so I don't know if I necessarily get cute on a Thursday night. I don't know if I'd have that thirst on a Thursday night. But I can give that's you not the a thirsty Thursday, Johnny. I know, man. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's it, it's not the normal the season has Thursday. matured. Yeah, yeah. The, the season has gone to me. But here's here's what I will say, though. I, I want to give a little bit of reassurance. If you do have to go that desperate route and and grab Taysom Hill, because we've all been there. I'm in there in the league. So, you know, I, I get desperate at times. So here's some good news. Cowboys have allowed 43 rushing attempts for 142 yards, which isn't great. It's bottom six in the league. However, they have allowed four rushing touchdowns to the opposing quarterbacks. And then you look at what Taysom Hill has done since last year when Hill has started and played in at least 50% of snaps. So six total games. Hill has only rushed fewer than six times in a game one time. And he's only had any and he's had seven rushing touchdowns in those six games. So his floor could be relatively safer at the quarterback position because he's a Konami code. He will run the ball. He will most likely get a rushing touchdown, right? Because he does that on, on uh, a lot of occasions. And then not only that, but this Dallas defense gives up a lot of rushing touchdowns on the ground. So you could see that there's a relatively safe floor, but again, what's the ceiling for a guy like Taysom Hill this week in a difficult matchup I can't quite tell you that he could get that. However, Big Travi has some really good stats that uh, break down, you know, Taysom Hill when he is a starting quarterback. He ends up being a pretty solid starting quarterback for fantasy purposes because he has that Konami code. So yeah. I'm going to throw this back to you, Travi. Do you have the confidence in the Thursday, Thursday start of Taysom Hill against Dallas Cowboys? Oh, it's so frustrating because it's a situation where, yes, you know, we look at the four games he played, right? Q, he never finished lower than QB 11. He was a QB 4, QB 8, QB 8, uh, QB 11, I believe, in the four games last year. But a lot's changed for this Saints team uh, in that offense. Changed. They don't have Michael Thomas. Their offensive line is banged up. Uh, I, you know, Kamara, a, a, you know, maybe an older Ingram. We don't know who's going to play there. I'll, you know, Austin will jump into that. But, you know, I don't I don't know that I would. I think if I look at options like if I'm going between Taysom Hill or a Taylor Heineke, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, I'm starting Taysom Hill. If I'm going Taysom Hill versus a Carson Wentz or a Kirk Cousins or even, you know, uh, the option that Jalen Hurts might sit because of his ankle. No, I'm going to pivot to something else later in the week. That would be what I would do. But I think that's about the borderline for it. But he is a hold one. I put him in the waiver wire column just to hold from your other league mates. Cause if you give the Konami code to some other league mate, that's not going to be something you want to see. And then two, they play the jets next week. So let's get this primer and then let's see how he's does. And then we'll get the jets next week for a really prime matchup. If he's able to put something together. So I do like that. Taysom Hill in that situation, but Austin to, to round this out, the biggest hitter for this team is Alvin Kamara. He's returned to practice a little bit here. Ingram, a full practice should be good to go. How do we attack the Saints backfield for fantasy? It's probably clearer than I'm making it out to be, but I just wanted to ask you what you think here. Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, they're back. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. You know, Big like trust. Big trust. <laughs> like, but honestly, given how well Ingram has played, given the heavy usage when Kamara was out, um, he's he's gonna 
earn a little bit of consideration from me, even if Kamara can take the field and get back out there and be the lead dog. I think that Ingram is going to come in as a strong supplemental role. You talk about how many things have changed, Travis. Sean Payton is still the head coach, and Sean Payton had a ton of success with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara running the ball together. He didn't forget that. He's got a new quarterback. He's got a whole host of wide receivers that we want nothing to do with. Uh, And Ingram has shown that he can do it. So I think that it makes a lot of sense. I think there's a lot of logic suggesting that we're going to see a heavy run game coming out with a new-ish, you know, I know he's 31 years old and it's Taysom Hill, but like a new-ish quarterback behind center for the Saints, at least one who's a little bit less familiar. The Cowboys have a 27th ranked rush defense right now. Uh, so I like this. There's a lot of logic that points. Um, you know, if you're out on a Kamara roster, you'd, you'd like to see Mark Ingram not in the picture and get that 20 carries back. But that's probably just not going to happen. It's probably going to be something a little bit slowed down, but hopefully that efficiency then does increase. So uh, Ingram is a kind of a, he's not like a lesson desperate. He's not sneaky either. It's a what the heck flex on Ingram for me. And you're putting Kamara in your lineup uh, it doesn't matter if I tell you he's an RB3, 2, or 1. You're going to start him because of that upside and because of who he is. Um, but remember, he's just coming back from an injury, and there's some question marks over there. So just temper those expectations. I'm really excited for this game in a lot of ways that aren't outside that are outside of fantasy. As Austin was talking about these guys, it kind of brought up, you know, why did they sign or go and trade for Ingram? Did they know about Kamara's injury before? Were they kind of being quiet about that? And then on the other side of this, we're going to see the Jerry Jones going goo goo gaga over Sean Payton. Remember, the rumors are that he wants Sean, he's wanted Sean Payton forever to be the head coach. So we're going to see this situation where he's going to showcase his team against Sean Payton. There's all sorts of storylines here with two of the most seedy franchises in NFL history. We've got Bounty Gate on one side and the Dallas Cowboys on the other. Like, I, I just love uh, the storylines that are outside of fantasy as well. But that does it for all of us and the part one of the Week 13 matchup here. We appreciate you, Whisper Nation, for tuning in. But if you want part two and you want to get the rest of these games, make sure you're subscribed anywhere you get your podcast or you're following over there. If you have any further lineup questions, we also uh, do the Sunday morning line, live lineup show, and that's an hour and a half before kickoff over on YouTube. So make sure you go over there, hit the subscribe, hit the notifications, and you'll be ready to go. And then your last-ditch effort, if you're really in, in the middle of stuff, we've got the rankings over on the site, thefantasywhispers.com. You can go check those out to help with all your flex conundrums there for johnny game time hicks for austin sear i'm big travi and we're the fancy whispers we're out of here peace 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 right here congratulations on making it to the end of the video if you still have a lot to say about fantasy football maybe you want to give johnny a little bit of crap for his take today then go on over to our discord channel and join the conversation there click the link in the description below and if you still want more content check out one of these videos homie don't you hit a